welcome back to Break It To Make It, where we meet people who've thrown out the rule book, failed forwards, or taken the road less traveled to come out on top. And today we're talking about school. Just ask any middle schooler or teacher, and I'm sure you'll receive a laundry list of potential improvements to do with education. Today's guest is a former public school educator, Dr. Brent Goldman. Now he left public education 25 years ago to pioneer a new approach to private schooling. He's been profiled in the Florida Trend 500, Thrive Global and Authority Magazine, and is passionate about providing a personalized and flexible learning environment for students. Welcome to the show, Dr. Goldman. Thank you very much, Fallon. Very nice to be here. It's an absolute pleasure, and thank you so much for taking the time. You threw out the rule book, and today you're a recognized leader in innovative education. And I would say that you've really disrupted the system with a lot of success. And you talk openly about the early days of your career, but could you take me and our listeners back to where it all started? What was the moment or moments that led up to you saying, this is broken, and I'm going to dedicate my life to fixing it. Uh, in, in 1990, I got my first teaching job and it was teaching fifth graders in a, in a public school in South Florida. And it was fifth grade dropout prevention. That was the job title. So at, at age 10, these kids were already labeled, which was somewhat concerning to me. Uh, and that was kind of my first uh, you know, foray into something is wrong with uh, this system if we're already labeling kids when they're 10. Um, and then after that year, I, I became a social studies teacher at a large public high school. And I noticed pretty quickly that a large segment of the population at the school was being ignored. You know, on a typical bell curve, you have your kids that are struggling and you have your high achievers at the other end. And for the most part, their needs were being taken care of. But that large majority in the middle, the C students, that wasn't bothering anybody, uh, wasn't being pushed. And that nobody was really there for them, either in the classroom or college advisement. It was kind of just, don't bother us. We won't bother you. And and. You can get through here and, you know, maybe go to a community college. And, uh, you know, at that point, I realized that the current system was broken. And that was, uh, you know, way back in the early 90s. Um, so that's that's kind of my origin. And that kind of led me to doing a, a variety of uh, entrepreneurial projects in education that, uh, you know, that have disrupted the system over the past 25 years. And this, this concept of disruption and focusing on the individual, I think what I'm hearing in what you're saying is that school and education is a personal journey and it should be for everyone. And there is a way for us to give our kids what they need, even if they are in that middle segment. What advice do you have for parents who or guardians who are there and their children are in that middle area? What advice do you have to them when considering a learning environment for their for their children? Uh, it, it could be that they're in a situation that's just too big. 
that they're, you know, again, the kid is not bothering anybody. They're not a discipline problem and they're not a D or an F student. So the teacher doesn't feel obliged to, to call home. Uh, and they're just, you know, they're not bothering anybody. They're doing fine. And they're just kind of being pushed uh, forward. And I think during the pandemic, a lot of parents, you know, uh, education was brought home for many parents for the first time. And they saw why their kids were C students or why their kids were uh, struggling or why their kids were bored because they were being held back. And I think there's just, uh, you know, we're in the private school business, but there are so many public school, charter school options now that just weren't available for parents, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago, whether it's, uh, you know, a state funded uh, online high school, uh, you know, whether it's uh, smaller charter schools based around your child's, uh, you know, individual interests or or special talents or learning abilities. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a much different time now. And I think, you know, a lot of parents over the past couple of years have discovered that not much has changed uh, since they went to school or their parents went to school, you know, even going back to the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, and, you know, now more and more options are becoming available uh, to students. And so what do you think is driving that demand for alternatives? Different kids have different, uh, you know, different learning styles and uh, different needs and desires. And, you know, one size doesn't fit all. And that's the way our education system is designed. Here's the school. You need to adapt and figure it out in order to be successful. What if I, you know, if a large segment of the population has ADHD, uh, you know, and, and schools do a, a half decent job of providing kids accommodations that have IEPs. Uh, but even if you're on medication, how successful can you be in a school as large as 5,000 students uh, with 35 to 40 kids in a class taking seven classes a day. Uh, the odds are against you. Uh, you know, so I think that parents are, are realizing and school districts and charter school operators and private school operators are realizing that it's not one size fits all. You know, a, a lot of kids, uh, you know, are, you know, it's, it's square peg in a round hole. And, uh, you know, a lot of kids don't fit that traditional box, whether it's a private school or, or a public school. And you've talked a little bit about the changing needs or maybe just that we're recognizing and creating more space for this individualized learning. But you also talked about how education was coming home during the pandemic. Tell us a little bit about how you think the role of a teacher has changed, because necessarily we, we need to flex in the face of new expectations, new knowledge. We're learning more about the impacts on our children and how we can take an approach to this learning. For teachers, what is the role of a teacher in a modern learning organization and how is that different to the traditional model? Well, in, in our hybrid model at, at Exceed Preparatory Academy, 
um, the role of the teacher, the role of the principal, uh, the role of the students <laughs> is all dramatically different than what we are all used to. In a traditional setting, the, the teacher uh, is the sage on the stage. Uh, she's the bearer of all knowledge. Uh, you know, she lectures, they do some worksheets, uh, you know, they regurgitate the information, they take a test or quiz and move on to the, to the, uh, to the next chapter. That the traditional teacher, um, you, know, have, you know, could have 200 plus students on a typical day with multiple prepar- uh, uh, classes that they have to prepare for. Uh, and the, the, the grading is intense. You know, we all know teachers who, you know, they're on Friday or bring home stacks of, of papers to, to grade. Um, that's the traditional teacher. Uh, and, and, and our hybrid model, we deliver the curriculum online, um, which enable, which a, a, a couple of things happen with that. The, the lesson planning is not nearly as intense. Uh, and most of the assignments and assessments are auto-graded. So the grading isn't as intense. And what that enables the teacher to be is to become a teacher. Uh, you know, they can uh, work one-on-one with students. They can work in small groups with students. The kids that, that get the concepts can work on their own. If they get stuck, they can ask a quick question and, and, and keep moving. There's no breaks that are, you know, literal car breaks that are set on these kids. So, you know, the, the, the teaching industry as a whole is, is really in crisis and it's really not talked about enough. There aren't a lot of people that want to go into education right now for all kinds of political, cultural uh, uh, reasons, but also, uh, uh, you know, the, it's just tough. <laughs> you know, the expectations are high. The, uh, the pay is low. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it's just as it's the best profession in the world if we do it the right way, because there are many other professions where you can impact children's lives like you can as a as a teacher. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it's not. Uh, you know, a great situation for them. So what what we love and what we find attractive and what our teachers find attractive is it's a, it's a whole paradigm shift. They're no longer the sage on the stage. Uh, they are there to motivate, to coach, uh, to, uh, you know, to work one-on-one uh, with kids. And, you know, with the back-end technology that comes with, uh, online uh, uh, delivery systems, there's all kinds of accountability that the students now have as far as the number of assignments they complete in a day, in a week, in a, in a month. Uh, are they on pace, not on pace, what their grades are, how much they communicate with their teacher, um, what they communicate with their teachers about, how much the teachers communicate with parents. This is all accessible. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it makes the teacher's jobs easier, more manageable. Um, but it's also kids are used to working on their own pace and everything but school. Uh, and, and, and to me, that's the beauty of the model. 
and enables teachers to be, to truly be teachers and not just, you know, not be, uh, uh, you know, carpool duty people or cafeteria duty people or bus duty people uh, or disciplinarians. They're able to teach. And that's, you know, to me, the, the beauty of, uh, of the model that we're uh, utilizing and, you know, it's, it's this hybrid model really is a, a combination of uh, a traditional setting where you actually go into a physical school with live teachers and live students that are your peers, uh, but in, in a much more personalized, flexible uh, environment. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty easily uh, replicated. Uh, you know, but I, I think the shame, the, the big problem with replicating in a, in a public school setting is just the child care issue. You know, the uh, uh, schools, schools are designed the way they are because parents work and, uh, you know, parents need a place for their kids to go while they work. The biggest change now is a lot of parents are working at home. And that also opens up a lot of, uh, you know, other alternatives for, for parents. You've talked about hybrid school and you've referred to it. I think you've touched upon it a little bit. Let's create a little bit of space here for you to define hybrid school and tell us why this is the future model for education. Well, I'll, I'll use it in a, in a traditional setting. You're, you go to school from eight to three. Uh, you, you're told what your seven classes are that day. Every 50 minutes, a bell rings. You have five minutes in between classes. You're told when to eat lunch. You're told when you can go to the bathroom, when you can get a drink from the water fountain. Uh, you're herded from space to, to space. Kind of like prison, really. It's kind of like, it's kind of like prison. I don't mean to, to, to sound like that, but. That's that. That's the truth. If you've ever walked around, uh, you know, a, a large school, it's they're hurting kids from space to, to space. Um, so in, in a hybrid model, it's it's personalized and it's flexible. Uh, so our, our key is our students create their own schedule based on their learning needs and or their special talents. Um, and, uh, you know, so we're open from 7.30 to 5. Um, some kids are there all day, um, maybe for childcare issues. Maybe they just like to be around friends. But most of our kids are coming and going every few hours. Um, and uh, uh, one of the things we learned during remote learning is, is this seven-hour school day doesn't have to be. You know, between, um, you know, lunch, recess, fire drills, uh, assemblies, etc., you could probably get your schooling done in three or four hours. Um, so our kids have uh, create their own schedules with their parents and with our our head of school. Um, and, you know, so, for example, we might have an elite athlete, a tennis player, an equestrian, a competitive cheer person. Uh, let's say they practice twice a day. Um, tennis players tend to practice twice a day. And those kids tend to travel 
seven to eight weeks during the school year to compete in various tournaments. So the 187 hour a day school day does not fit for them. They are square pegs in a round hole. So those kids might come in every, uh, you know, they might come in uh, three days a week for a few hours at a time in between practice sessions. And a child with some learning differences or attentional issues might, uh, instead of taking seven classes at one time, take two classes at a time, finish those two classes, and still earn the same amount of credits, but in a, in a pace uh, that they can handle. So that's really hybrid. It's personalized and it's flexible. I love that. And I love the strengths-based approach. You know, in a corporate setting, we talk about strengths-based leadership a lot. You know, focus on, as you refer to it, your special talents rather than focusing all the time on bolstering places where maybe you're not as good as other people. And it sounds like this model really creates space for that. And it must have great emotional benefits for kids. I think about neurotypical children, children who are very focused on one specific thing and the ability to flourish and be encouraged in that direction rather than keep trying to transition them back to something that maybe they just don't care about and they're never going to use because it's not part of their passion. Now, I would love to keep talking to you all day, but we are almost at our time. So I want to get to our, our final two little pieces here. The first one is, is there any child or student that hybrid doesn't work for? Is there any one that you would caution against pursuing a hybrid model? Yeah, I have, uh, I have two kids. Uh, one of my sons graduated from our school. Uh, he's more introverted. He doesn't care about the whole football scene, prom, uh, that type of stuff. He wanted to go to school. He wanted to learn. He wanted to be around a few friends. He wanted to see teachers. Um, the kid that wants this big school experience, and that's my younger child, would not thrive in an environment like ours. Uh, you know, he wants the big school, the football, the cheerleaders, the homecoming, et cetera. So, you know, your child, every kid's different. And every, if you have multiple kids, multiple, you know, your the siblings are all different. So it, it just, you know, to me, it just depends on, on who the kid is. I love that. That's great advice. And as we close, I'm looking for your top tips and top tips sort of twofold. One is tell the parents who maybe aren't in a position to consider a private school, how can they get the best out of the system? And then secondly, if a parent like myself has been inspired by this. What's the next step? What's the first step they can take to exploring a hybrid journey for their child? Sure. So a, a couple of things. One, I think you'd be surprised on uh, the affordability of most private schools uh, between financial aid that they may, may offer, uh, state voucher programs that might be available. For example, I'm in the state of Florida, which is a very robust uh, private school voucher state, uh, which really helps make private schools affordable. So there, there might be opportunities there. And, uh, you know, private schools might be offering uh, scholarships, financial aid that make the journey more affordable than you, you potentially think. Um, uh, but I think over the past 10 to 15 years, um, between charter schools, public school, uh, uh, magnet programs, 
uh, research what your uh, your school district has to offer. Um, and you might be surprised, uh, you know, whether uh, your, your child did very well during remote learning. Uh, it, maybe it's a cyber charter, maybe it's a, a state funded virtual school. That might be uh, a route to, uh, you know, get the kid that wasn't successful traditionally, but was successful in remote learning to continue to be uh, to continue to be successful. So I, I would just recommend researching what's available in your community and don't rule out the private school. I mean, even, you know, I have kids getting ready, you know, I have a son in college, another one getting ready to go. Uh, you'd be surprised how much money private schools give away. Private college is the same way. So, uh, you know, check it out and check out their uh, affordability. That is great advice. Thank you, Dr. Goldman, for all of your time today to help us think about how we can get our kids away from just surviving school to maybe thriving at school. A very interesting model, and you've given us a lot to think about. And thank you to everybody who's joined us and tuned in to Break It to Make It. If you would like to learn more about Exceed Prep or hear more from Dr. Goldman, head over to exceedprep.org or check him out via LinkedIn. And Exceed is spelled X-C-E-E-D prep, P-R-E-P. Thank you again. And we'll see you next time where we meet more people who've thrown out the rule book and are challenging the way that we think about things that we think we know. Have a great day.